And if you would open your Bible to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Si trajo su Biblia, vamos a ir a Ezequiel, el capítulo 36, esta noche. Ezekiel, chapter 36. And we're going to begin at verse 16. Vamos a comenzar el, el verso 16. I shared with you on Sunday morning about Ezekiel 37. Compartía el domingo en la mañana sobre uh, Ezequiel capítulo 37 y el valle de los huesos secos. We heard about the great resurrection story of the valley of dry bones. And I believe tonight that uh, the Lord wants to continue along this uh, path. Creo, creo que el Señor quiere continuar uh, así por este camino. The valley of dry bones is a picture of the power of God for a revival, not only of the nation of Israel, but any nation that will call upon the Lord and that will declare the word of the Lord. And I believe that our country is in great need of spiritual revival and renewal. How many of you believe that? Amen. And the church is in need. All over this nation, the church is desperately in need of a move of God. And so tonight I want to speak to you about what brought the nation of Israel to this valley of dry bones. How did they get to this real critical moment? Uh, quiero hablar esta tarde sobre cómo es que la nación de Israel llegó a estar como un valle de huesos secos. Because as important as the breath and revival of God upon those dry bones is. It's also important for us to know what it was that led them to that so that we can avoid that path. Tan importante que es saber como Dios puede resucitar a los muertos espiritualmente hablando es también necesario entender como es que esta nación llegó a estar en esa situación De ser un valle de huesos secos. Now, I want you to think about two things. It's a valley, so it's a low place. And it's full of dry bones, so it's a dead place. It's a dry place. Es un lugar bajo, es un valle. Y es un lugar lleno de huesos secos, de sequía. And this tells us of the condition of the nation of Israel. And it tells us tonight, I believe, the condition of the world. And the condition of our country. That we're in a low place spiritually. And a dry place. And yet in that dry place, God is moving. And God is breathing. And God is reviving. And God is raising up men and women for gospel work. So it's an extraordinary picture of hopelessness and hope at the same time. Tenemos ahí el cuadro de la desesperación, la falta de esperanza, al ver la muerte y la bajeza espiritual. Pero a la vez hay gran ánimo y gran esperanza en que Dios está moviendo. And my purpose tonight is that I don't want you to ever become a dry place. Mi propósito esta noche es que no quiero que usted se convierta en un lugar seco. I don't want you to wake up one day and realize that your spiritual life is a valley of dry bones. No quiero que usted despierte un día y se dé cuenta que su vida espiritual es un valle de huesos secos. And I want you to be conscious of the fact that there is a place and a work that you and I can 
uh, walk in with the Holy Spirit that will avoid that in your life completely until Jesus comes. Y es posible que usted y yo podemos caminar con el Espíritu Santo y a, a, que Él haga una obra en nosotros la cual es tan poderosa que evita esos huesos secos en nuestra vida todos los días de nuestra vida. I believe God wants you to live in a constant state of spiritual life. Not having to always be revived or resuscitated all the time, but he wants you to live in a constant place of spiritual life. La voluntad de Dios para nuestra vida no es tenernos que resucitar cada semana, sino que nuestra vida esté en un estado de constante vida espiritual. How many of you want that? A place of stable spiritual life. ¿Cuántos quieren eso? Una vida estable y espiritual. Well, the nation of Israel... God tells us how they arrived at this valley of dry bones. And we read about it here in Ezekiel 16, pardon, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 16. Vamos a ver aquí cómo es que esa nación llegó a ese lugar seco. Ezekiel 36, verso 16. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and by their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. Therefore I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. I also scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. According to their ways and their deeds, I judged them. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they have come out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. Now if you would go down to verse 26 with me. The Lord says, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And you will live in the land that I give you, your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you tonight for the visiting power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would speak to us by the word of God. And I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach your word. And I pray you would anoint us to hear it and to put it into action in our lives. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. amen. I want to speak tonight about deadly distance. Quiero hablar esta noche sobre el peligro de la distancia. What caused the nation of Israel to... I get into this valley of dryness is found right here in verse 17. Aquí en el verso 17 vemos lo que llevó la nación de Israel a estar en ese valle de sequía, este valle de huesos secos. The scripture says that while they were living on their own land, that means God had prospered them, God had blessed them, God had given them a homeland. Dios los había prosperado y dice la escritura que mientras ellos vivían en su propia tierra. Un lugar que Dios había bendecido, había prosperado. How many of you 
have uh, arrived at a place where God is blessing you. ¿Cuántos han llegado a un lugar de bendición? Now that's too few amens for the number of blessings I know are in this room. So I'm going to give you another chance. How many of you have arrived at a place where God is blessing you? Isn't that a good place? Well, the scripture said that when Israel was in that place, that they went astray. They went wrong. Estando ahí en ese lugar de bendición, de prosperidad, ahí donde se desviaron. You see, sometimes you complain about your trials, but it might be that your trials are keeping you close to the Lord. Quizá a veces usted reniega de los problemas que tiene en su vida, pero a lo mejor esos problemas lo están manteniendo cerca a Dios. And uh, you and I have the opportunity to be in a blessed place, a prospering place. A veces Dios nos da un lugar de prosperidad, un lugar de bendición. And it's dangerous when you get there and you relax. A veces llegamos a un lugar de espiritual, un lugar de bendición y está cómodo y comenzamos a relajarnos y a olvidar lo que nos ayudó a llegar a ese lugar. We start to relax and forget what it was that took us to that place. Now, in the world, they say, dance with the one who brought you, all right? So we don't, we don't usually use that philosophy, but it's the same idea. That you can't forget God after he brought you in. Usted no puede olvidar a Dios después que él lo trajo a ese lugar. And so we read there that while they were living in the land of their own, a place that God had blessed, they defiled it by their ways and by their deeds. Dice la Escritura que estando ahí en ese lugar, lo profanaron a través de sus caminos y de sus obras. Say this with me, ways and deeds. You know that what separates us from God, what, what caused the nation of Israel to drift away, was that they put distance between them and God by their ways and their deeds. La nación de Israel llegó a ser un valle de huesos secos porque estando en un lugar prosperado comenzaron a poner distancia entre ellos y Dios a través de sus caminos y sus obras. You, you and I have to be very careful about our ways and our deeds. Tenemos que estar uh, siempre cuidando nuestros caminos y nuestras obras. We have Sayings like, well, he has his ways, right? And uh, she has her way. Tenemos dichos como ellos les gusta hacerlo como ellos les gusta. But sometimes our ways are not God's ways. A veces nuestros caminos no son los caminos de Dios. Sometimes we say, I'm going to handle this my way. A veces decimos, yo voy a tratar con esto de mi forma, de lo que yo sé. Maybe your way is the way you learn from mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa. A lo mejor el camino que usted lleva se lo aprendió de sus abuelos o de sus padres. But often we have to discover this, that our culture, our family culture, and even our national culture is not God's way. A veces nuestra cultura familiar y nuestra cultura nacional no es lo mismo que los caminos de Dios. And you and I have to be constantly comparing, are my ways God's ways? Because you and I want to walk in the ways of the Lord. Queremos usted y yo caminar en los caminos de Dios. 
Hacer las cosas como Dios las quiere hechas. We have to learn to do things the way God does things. If we want him to bless and uh, to uh, cooperate with our life, then we have to see to doing life his way. We have to do relationships God's way. Money, God's way. Our thought life, God's way. The things we read, the things we hear, God's way. Because every other influence will take you another way. Si usted dijo queremos vivir en ese lugar donde Dios está bendiciendo, tenemos que caminar conforme los caminos de Jehová. Y los caminos de Jehová no siempre son nuestros caminos. Entonces tenemos que comparar que a veces lo que yo quiero no es lo mismo que lo que Dios quiere. Y vivir la vida como Dios la quiere. Mi dinero como Dios lo dice que lo maneje. Mis relaciones, mis amistades como Dios dice. A mis pensamientos como Dios dice. And the only way you and I can stay and walk in the Lord's ways is when we are led by the Spirit of God. La única forma de que usted y yo podemos caminar en los caminos de Dios es cuando caminamos con el Espíritu Santo. The Bible says this about the nation of Israel, that the nation of Israel knew God's works, but Moses knew God's ways. There's a difference. Some of you have known God's works. You've seen him work miracles in your life. But there's a deeper place. And that deeper place was that the nation of Israel, they saw God do things. They saw God move mightily on their behalf. But Moses went up a mountain and he spent time alone with God. And he got to learn more than just God's works. He got to know God's ways. And the difference is this. The nation of Israel learned to see and appreciate God's hand. But Moses learned to love God's face. Israel aprendió a conocer y reconocer y admirar las manos de Dios, pero Moisés comenzó o aprendió a admirar el rostro de Dios. All of us want God's hand in our lives. Amen, somebody. Todos queremos la mano de Dios en nuestra vida. And, and it's a beautiful thing to see the hand of the Lord moving. Es algo hermoso ver la mano de Dios moviéndose en nuestra vida. But there is a place of intimacy that goes beyond hands to face. Hay un lugar de intimidad donde pasamos más allá que las manos y vamos así al rostro. Because you see, sometimes if you fall in love with God's hands, as soon as you get what you're praying for, you stop praying. A veces si te enamoras de las manos de Dios, cuando recibes lo que estás pidiendo, ya no oras. Lord, give me a new car. I need a new car. I got to have that car. Lord, look at that car. Lord, that's a pagan heathen over there. And they got a car. I want a car too. And then you get a new car and you fall in love with the car. Because all you were looking for was his hands. But you see, when you're looking for his face... He can drop the keys to a new car in your hands. You say, thank you, Lord. I just want to look at your face right now. I just want to spend more time with you because you're, you're the one that I want. It's not the car's a blessing, the house is a blessing, the job's a blessing, but I've got to see your face. I've got to know you. There's more to life with God than just getting stuff. Hay mucho más en la vida espiritual que no más recibir de las manos de Dios. Hay un lugar donde podemos conocer el rostro de Dios. That cost us something. That cost us 
leaving the crowd. For Moses, it meant he had to leave the crowd. It's hard to leave the crowd when you love the crowd. Moisés tuvo que dejar ir el, el, el gentiazo, la multitud. Why? We love the crowd because the crowd tells us you're good, you're awesome, you're great. And, and the crowd reinforces our ways. Queremos la multitud porque la multitud reinforza nuestros caminos. When you leave the crowd and you go up that mountain and there's thunder and lightning and earthquake and it's scary and it's terrifying because you don't know what God's going to say. God might say no. God might say never. God might say not that man, not that woman, not that job. And so we don't really, we don't really want to know. It's kind of scary to really know the will of God, isn't it, sometimes? But when you've decided, I want to know him. You leave the crowd behind, the voices behind. You can come to a place where your heart is still before him. You say, Lord, teach me your ways. Es ahí en la intimidad con Dios, cuando usted ha dejado la multitud y ha subido ese monte, que usted puede venir y decir, Señor, enséñame tus caminos. Israel had put distance between God and themselves by following their own ways. And that's why I, I titled this Deadly Distance. Because the way they arrived in the Valley of Dry Bones was not all at once. It was not an overnight thing. Ellos no llegaron al Valle de los Huesos Secos en un momento, en un instante. Llegaron a través de mucha distancia. They arrived there over little by little, putting a lot of distance between them and God. Pusieron a través del, del tiempo más y más cosas entre ellos y Dios. And they drifted slowly away from God. Se fueron como un barquito ahí en, en el lago que no lo amarra, uh, uh, que se va ahí nomás con la corriente. They went like a little boat that you leave untied on the lake. It just kind of drifts away. And a lot of times in spiritual life, people fall asleep in a drifting boat. And when they wake up, they're miles from the shore. And they wonder, how did I get here? A veces si usted en su vida espiritual se queda dormido en un barquito que está nomás yendo con la corriente, un día va a amanecer y va a decir, ¿cómo llegué yo aquí? How did I get here? The nation of Israel is a valley of dryness, but they didn't get there overnight. They got there by drifting. Llegaron ahí a ese valle a través de irse con la corriente. And so I want to share with you tonight some of the currents that are going to cause, are going are, are to try to pull you in away from God. Hay varias corrientes esta noche que usted quiero que pueda reconocer que sirven para apartarnos y poner distancia entre usted y Dios. And what I'm telling you is this, that, that you're going to have to work at keeping the distance out of your relationship with God. Usted va a tener que proponerse a no dejar que entre la distancia a su relación con Dios. Listen, if you have a daily uh, prayer time, a daily Bible reading time, then you're going to have to keep that, aren't you? Because if you go from a daily Bible reading time to a, bi a, a every other day, to a once a week, to a once a month, you're drifting. 
And then one day you wake up and say, where is my Bible? How do I pray? Where do I go to church? I don't even know who my pastor is anymore. See, I want, I want you to avoid that catastrophe in your life. Yo quiero que usted pueda evitar ese problema en su vida que un día usted despierte y diga, ¿Dónde está mi Biblia? ¿Y a qué iglesia voy yo? ¿Y quién es mi pastor? Porque yo ya no sé nada. Me aparté tanto. Hay tanta distancia entre yo y Dios. There's so much distance between God and I that I don't even know where I'm at anymore. So here's the first current that's going to threaten your spiritual life. Aquí está la primer corriente que va a, a amenazar o desafiar tu vida espiritual. And it is the current of time. Everyone say time. En la primer corriente, la corriente del tiempo. Time is moving whether you like it or not. El tiempo se está moviendo aunque usted lo quiera o no. Si usted uh, no decide cómo usted va a usar su tiempo, su tiempo se le va a ir. If you don't decide how you're going to use your time, your time is going to get away from you. And time is a current that leads a lot of people from God. Uh, el tiempo es una corriente que causa que muchos se aparten de Dios. This is what the scripture says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Do not get weary in well-doing, because in due season you will reap if you faint not. Dice eh, Galatas capítulo 6, verso 9, que no nos debemos de... Um, Cansar de hacer el bien porque al tiempo debido vamos a cosechar si no hemos desmayado. What is the apostle telling the Galatians? He's telling them you've got to stick with it for a long time. ¿Qué está diciendo el apóstol a la iglesia en Galatas? Está diciendo tienes que proponerte a largo plazo. Tell your neighbor this is going to take a long time. Listen. Listen, life is long enough, okay? And all, as long as your life's going to be, I don't know how much time God's going to give you, but as long as your life's going to be, you're going to have to dedicate and decide, I'm going to walk with the Lord. Amen. However long it takes, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to give him my time. I'm going to give him my attention. I'm going to give him my focus. Because if you decide, if God doesn't answer me in two weeks, I'm out, guess what? You're going to be out. Don't be weary in well-doing. The enemy will come and he'll tell you, you've been at this a long time. You already gave this two years. You've been praying for that man for five years and he hasn't changed yet. He hasn't gotten saved yet. And, and he'll tell you that you're wasting your time, that you're losing your time. You've got to make up in your mind, I'm not going to leave God's way. No, no matter how long this takes. No importa qué tan largo se, uh, se lleve esto, yo quiero ver la, la obra de Dios en mi vida. I, I want to see God's work in my life. I've got to give it the time it's going to take. Listen, you're not going to be, you're not going to be in the pulpit. If you got saved on Sunday, you're not going to be in the pulpit next Sunday. It's going to take some time. I, I didn't get any amens now. It's going to take some time. If you plant a peach tree tomorrow, you go to the, the nursery, you buy a peach tree, you put it in the ground, don't bother waking up next day and going to look for peaches. It's going to take some time. 
And if you give up, here's what a lot of people do. They give up on the peach tree. Or they go pull it out of the dirt and move it somewhere else. You've got to know this is going to take some time. God knows what he's doing. And in due season, God is going to bring about the fruit in my life that I need. En el tiempo debido, Dios va a hacer lo que Él ha prometido. Come on, somebody. There is a due season coming for your life. Hay un tiempo debido. And so you've got to know this is going to take, this is a lifelong commitment. A lifelong walk with the Lord. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that the church have, uh, uh, in, the, in the book of Revelation, the Bible speaks of the church that had lost its first love. Over time, it had grown a coldness toward God. La iglesia en Efesios capítulo 2 verso 4 dice que habían perdido su primer amor. A través del tiempo, se pasó el tiempo y se enfrió el amor. Time passed and the love got cold. And then people say, well, I fell out of love. Well, it must have not been God's will. Or God must have really not done what I thought he did in my life. No, you just let it get cold. You got to keep your spiritual life under the spiritual heat lamp of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that refreshes and renews and brings warmth to your life. And the scripture says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Dice la escritura que en los últimos días, el amor de muchos se resfriará. There is a coldness that comes when you don't spend time with God. Si usted no pasa tiempo con Dios, se enfría. Now, when I was a little boy, my grandfather, after my now, grandmother passed away. He came to live with us for a little while. Mi abuelo vino a vivir con nosotros cuando yo era niño. And I remember he'd be out in the, in, the, in the property working or gardening or something. And he'd come in for a break. Él, él estaba trabajando afuera y luego se metía a la casa por un descanso. He would, he would sit at the table and drink a little water or whatever. And then he would say, I've got to go back outside. If not, my bones are going to get cold. Él decía, tengo que salir para afuera, si no se me van a enfriar los huesos. And I think, Grandpa doesn't know what he's talking about. Leo pensaba, abuelo no sabe lo que está hablando. What do you mean? Your bones are going to get cold. But then I turned 30, and all of a sudden I discovered what he meant. Luego pasé la edad de 30 y me di cuenta de lo que estaba hablando. After a certain age, if your bones are warmed up and you let them cool off, it takes a little longer to get going again. And that's what he was saying. He was saying, I'm already, I'm already warmed up. I'm already ready to go. Well, guess what? You've got to keep your spiritual life warmed up every day. You've got to keep those knees. You've got to keep those elbows. You've got to keep those, uh, those joints ready for the work. Because if you don't, then your bones get cold. And when your bones get cold, then you start getting lazy. I'll do it tomorrow. Ya si se le enfriaron los huesos, dicen, no, mejor mañana. Y mejor la semana que entra. Y se pasa el tiempo. You say, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, and time passes. And you've missed a whole season. You end up in a dry valley dry bones. So 
Scripture tells us, the Apostle Paul said this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, I have not obtained it all. I have not apprehended it all. But this is what I do. I press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul telling us? He's saying, I'm not going to stop pressing until I see in myself the full stature of Christ. ¿Qué dice Pablo en, en Filipenses capítulo 3, verso 13? No lo he alcanzado todo todavía, pero esto es lo que voy a hacer. Voy a proseguir hacia la meta. Voy a seguir a, adelante. Voy a avanzar. ¿Por qué? Porque yo quiero ver en mí mismo toda la medida de toda la estatura de Dios. When do you stop going to church? When do you stop reading your Bible? When do you stop praying? When do you stop worshiping? The day you wake up in the mirror and you see an exact representation of Jesus, then you can stop. Until then, you got to keep those bones warm and keep that spiritual life going. Come on, somebody. Because there is a constant progressive need in our life. Go toward the full measure. I want the full measure of the stature of Christ. You say, well, Pastor, I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's going to happen someday when you and I get to in the presence of Jesus. It's going to happen. Until then, press on. You see, here's the thing. What was Paul saying? He's saying, I'm not going to let my small victories be an excuse for not getting the big victories. You see how easy it is sometimes? You get a little goal met and then you stop. A veces llegamos a una meta pequeña y nos paramos. God said, no, you got to press on. There's more. There's more. Todavía hay más. Todavía hay mejores cosas. There's not only more, but there's greater things at work. All right, the second current is the current of the familiar. La segunda corriente es la corriente de lo familiar o lo conocido. Many times the, the threat that comes into spiritual life is commonness. A veces la, la, las cosas se hacen común en la vida espiritual y eso es un peligro hacia nuestra vida espiritual. You don't want to become, you don't want your, your spiritual life to become common. Or to begin to take as common holy things. Usted y yo no podemos dejar que las cosas santas se hagan como algo común en nuestra vida. There is a freshness that comes with God. And the threat is to say, well, I already know that. I already heard that. I already learned that lesson. I already memorized that Bible verse. I already bought and wore that t-shirt. God said, no. My... My mercies are new every morning. I have freshness for you every morning. And many times we get comfortable with the familiar and we start to put distance between us. You know that the, the people that we hurt the most in our lives are the people closest to us. I know you don't like to hear that, but that's true. Why? Because we tend to take for granted what's most common. A veces las personas que más dañamos en nuestra vida son las que están más cerca de nosotros. ¿Por qué? Porque entre que se hacen más común, 
Menos respeto y honor les damos. As long as they become uh, a common, then it's no longer something, of, an object of honor and respect. I'll give you an example. If I go to your house and you say, oh, Pastor Isaac's here, and you hurry up and you get the house going and you, and you bring me out a, a, a cup of coffee and a donut and, and your husband's sitting there thinking, where did this come from? I didn't even know we had donuts. <laughs> and then as I'm leaving, he says, Pastor, you ought to come by more often. What happened? Why, why am I being treated better? Because that's uncommon. But I promise you if I came by every day, after a week you'd be telling me, Pastor, bring some donuts. <laughs> Pastor, could you bring some donuts on your way to the house today? You see how when it becomes common, we don't give it honor and respect. And God said to them here, he said, you've taken my holy name and you've profaned it. How do they do that? By just making it common. Making it an everyday thing. It became familiar to them. Entre, entre lo que usted hace a Dios algo común en su vida, usted le va a faltar el respeto más y más. And so as long as you and I want to have a spiritual life that's vibrant, we have to give God an uncommon place. An uncommon respect, an uncommon honor. That's why it's so important that we do those little things that are, that are maybe people think are traditional, ritualistic. But, you know, it's so important for you to carry your Bible to church. Why? Why? Because you're saying this is an uncommon book. This is not an ordinary everyday Thing. That's why it's so important that when we preach here, we preach from the Bible. Why? Because we're letting people know, I'm reading this book. This word is not common. It's got a, a specialness, a uniqueness to it. If you made a bookshelf with all the books of all the knowledge in the world, the Bible will be sitting on top, on the top shelf all by itself because there's nothing you can compare it to or with. It is uncommon. And those little things, you might think, well, they're just... They're just traditions. They're holdovers from the past. That's why I tell you, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Why do we do that? Because we're letting our heart and our mind and our flesh know this is uncommon. That's why when we pray or we say grace, we bow our heads. We close our eyes. Is it necessary? No. Does God hear you if you... Don't bow your head and don't close your eyes. Sometimes you're praying while you're driving. I don't want you to bow your head and close your eyes. If my pilot is flying the plane in turbulence and he needs to pray, I don't want him to bow his head and close his eyes. But why do we do it then if it's not necessary? Because it's letting us know this is uncommon. I'm not talking to every, uh, every other friend in my life. I'm not talking to Tom from next door or Pepe. I'm talking to God. This is not a familiar, everyday thing. This is God I'm talking about. That's why we don't say, I, I'm talking to the man upstairs. He's not the man upstairs. He's God. He's not the big guy in the sky. He's God. And, and 
the, the more that we cultivate those things that let us know this is not an everyday thing. This is God we're talking about. It's not a common thing. We're reminding ourselves uh, and not allowing something of such uh, importance daily in our life to become familiar, to become uncommon. Although it should be common for us to talk to God, we ought not to speak to him as though he was anybody. Although we do speak to him as though he's our friend. We speak to him with holy familiarity and holy commonness and yet with reverence and awe and fear because he is an all-consuming fire. Hablamos con Dios como un amigo, con confianza, como uno que es común, pero aún no común, sino con reverencia y temor. ¿Por qué? Porque él es el Dios que es un fuego consumidor. If you've taken God for granted, sooner or later, you're going to end up in the valley of dry bones. Si usted toma a Dios como algo pasajero, tarde que temprano va a llegar a un, un uh, valle de huesos secos. The next thing is our culture. Lo siguiente es la, la corriente de la cultura, the current of culture, the current of modern opinion will lead the church to a valley of dry bones. La corriente de la cultura siempre va a llevar a la iglesia a ser un valle de huesos secos. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He says, do not be deceived. Don't get it wrong. What do he say? Evil company corrupts good morals. Dice la escritura en Primera de Corintios 15:33 que malas uh, amistades corrupten buenos morales o buenos uh, uh, buenas ideas. The company you keep is going to corrupt your life. You have to be careful what culture you allow to influence your life. Usted tiene que tener cuidado de no dejar que la cultura uh, Tenga una influencia sobre su vida. Listen, what is our culture today? If you really study American culture, there are major religious threads in it. But they're not Christian threads. Si usted estudia la, la, eh, eh, los hilos de esta cultura en la cual usted y yo vivimos, hay grandes hilos religiosos, pero no son cristianos. Listen, America's tapestry used to be a Christian nation. Estados Unidos antes era una nación cristiana, netamente cristiana. But threads started coming in. Comenzaron a entrar los hilos de la cultura, and because the church didn't clip the threads, they just kept coming in. Till now, you look at the tapestry of our nation and it's almost entirely secular. You say, Pastor, how do we know? Well, because there is a thread of atheism in our culture. Hay un hilo de la, del ateísmo en nuestra cultura. It's taken over our educational systems. Ha dominado nuestra, nuestra educación. 
And so now our children aren't being taught about the fact that they're created by God. They're being taught that they were that they're the the uh, process of natural selection. That they are the descendant of an ape. Is that is that God's way? How do we get there? We allowed that thread to come into the tapestry of our culture. Listen. There's not only the, thre the thread of atheism, but there's also the thread of humanism. También está el hilo del humanismo. What is humanism? Humanism is a philosophy that everything is about me. El humanismo es la filosofía que todo se trata de mí. Think about it. How do they advertise to you? All of the big uh, hamburger places and chicken places, they tell you all about, I had to throw chicken in there, right? They had to tell you about how it's your way. Have it your way. 150 options for how you can have it. And they talk about, it's all about us, it's all about me. The Bible never teaches us that life is about me. The Bible teaches us that God put us here for His glory. Not our glory. La Biblia nos enseña que la vida no es de mí, para mí. Que es lo que yo quiero. La Biblia nos dice que Dios nos puso aquí para su gloria. Para su renombre. But humanism has come in. And, and then you, you continue uh, exploring a little bit. You begin to see all these religious threads that are in our culture. Right now one of the big influences in the sports world is, um, in, uh, is Eastern mysticism. Eastern religion. Uno de los grandes grandes influencias ahora en la en la en el mundo del uh, el, uh, de los uh, deportistas es el, la religión del de este, Buddhism, and other Eastern religions have become part of the culture. And you'll hear people who are athletes talking about being mindful. You ever heard the word mindful? You know that that's not, it's not talking about being thoughtful. It's talking about opening up your mind to the universe. So allow other forces to come in. That's not the, that's not the doctrine of the Bible. It's the doctrine of demons. And it's a table of demons. And that current is sweeping the lives of our young people. And it's sweeping the lives of our adults. And if you're not careful, it'll put distance between you and God. Watch out. I'll give you a couple more. Not only is there the current of culture, but there's also the current of the flesh. These first three I talked about are outside. But this one is internal. It's within you. Ahora vemos la corriente de la carne. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter says, Beloved, I beg you. What does he say? I beg you. What's Peter doing? He's getting on his knees, begging the church. What does he say? I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lust which wars against the soul. ¿Qué dice el apóstol Pedro? Dice, hermanos, uh, eh, con una plegaria, está haciendo una plegaria fuerte, uh, les, uh, les amonesto que no 
permitan que los deseos de la carne uh, los uh, uh, lleven su vida o tengan influencia en su vida porque ellos van a hacer guerra contra su alma. Listen, there's inside of man the sin nature. We call it the flesh. Dentro del hombre está la naturaleza del pecado y la naturaleza del pecado tiene deseos que no son de Dios. The flesh has desires that are not of God. And Peter says, I beg you, don't be led by your flesh. Why? Because it's making war against the spirit. He says, abstain from fleshly lust. Listen, if you have a problem with drinking, don't hang out at bars. If you have a problem with women, don't hang out at the beach. Can I get any help tonight? If you have a problem with food, get a smaller plate. Si usted tiene problemas con mujeres, no vaya al beach, a la playa. If you have a problem with greed, Don't hang out with greedy people. Listen, do not entertain the things that are going to lure you away. No entretenga las cosas que lo van a apartar de Dios. Because you see, those things put distance between you and God. Esas cosas ponen distancia entre usted y Dios. And you might say, well, pastor, where does all that come from? Where does that, where does that uh, influence come from? It comes from within us. You are warring against the nature of sin within you. And without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to win. Usted está haciendo guerra contra el, eh, eh, la carne dentro de usted y sin el Espíritu Santo es imposible ganar. Listen, when you and I decide we're going to live for God, we enter into warfare against the nature of sin. And it's the Holy Spirit within us that puts that nature to bed. Listen, you want to know who's going to win? The nature you feed is going to win. If This is what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians. He said, do not be deceived. Uh, what a man sows, that will he also reap. If a man sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if a man sows to the spirit, then from the spirit he will, um, he will have life and peace. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says this. I say then, walk in the spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Listen, that's, a, that's the important truth right there. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Camina en el espíritu, Galatas 5, 16. Camina en el espíritu y no obedecerás el deseo de la carne. How do you overcome the flesh? By walking in the spirit. Listen, you can't serve two masters. 
No se puede servir a dos maestros. When you decide to walk by the Spirit, your flesh loses its power. Cuando usted camina por el Espíritu, la carne pierde su poder. Verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. The wars against the Spirit. ¿Por qué? Porque la carne pelea en contra del Espíritu y el Espíritu en contra de la carne. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things which, which you wish. You walk by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body. I'll give you one more current here as I close. And this is the current of daily worries. La última corriente es la corriente de preocupaciones diarias. Listen. Jesus told a story about a sower that began to sow the seed. And he said that there was a seed that fell in a place where there was good soil. It started to grow up. But around that soil were thorns and weeds. They choked out that fledgling little plant. Oh, those thorns, those seeds, it must have been the devil. Oh, Jesus said the thorns and seeds were worries of daily life. Preoccupations of daily life. Well, Pastor, I got to go to work. I know. Pastor, I got to raise those kids. I know. Pastor, I got to go to the PTA meeting. I know. Pastor, I got to do this. I got to do that. We got to eat, Pastor. You know that. Pastor, we got to have a car. You know that. I know all of that. Pastor, we got to go to Little League. We got to have football games. We got to go to graduation. I know. I get it. But don't let those things choke out your spiritual life. They're all good. But if you give them more light and more water and more sun than you give the spiritual part of your life, they're going to choke out your spiritual life. And what good is it to have all of those occupations and all of those things and not have peace with God? And not have joy in your spirit. And be a valley of dry bones. God says there is life when you are near me. When you are with me. When you're walking in my ways by my spirit. And Israel, if it had done that, it would have walked straight past that valley. Because you see, we're all going to walk through valleys. But you don't have to die in it. Did you hear me? We're all going to walk through valleys, but you don't have to die in that valley. What happened was, you take a problem and you add dryness and you end up with death. But when you have the saturation of the water of your spirit on your life, you can walk through any valley. And however deep that valley is, however dark that is, I promise you, when you come out on the other side, you're going to come out alive. Because the spirit of God is living. On the inside of you tonight. So if you're in a valley tonight, can I just tell you, stay wet. Stay in the spirit. Stay saturated. Walk with God. Because you're going to come out of that valley. I, I assure you, you're going to come out of that season. You don't have to lose 
your spiritual life because of trials. Now, I read to you these verses. I want to go back to verse 26 of, of, of chapter 36 because there's three answers right here. Verse 26 of chapter 36 of Ezekiel says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. You see, this verse is fulfilled in chapter 37. But God had already promised it to them. And this is what he promises to you. He says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. What's he saying? I'm going to give you inward life. Inner life. Inside. And then in verse 27, he says, and you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. That's outward life. Not only are they alive inside, but what they do reflects what's on the inside. So their inner life is alive with God and their outer deeds are alive with God. So they're righteous on the inside and they're righteous on the outside. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be alive on the inside and alive on the outside. So that what you do doesn't contradict who you are. But what you do is a pattern and reflection of the life that's on the inside of you. And then in verse 28, he says, and you will live in the land that I give to your forefathers. That blessed, prosperous land. God says you're going to live there, but you're not going to be alone. Someone's going to live with you. Who's going to live with you? He says, I will be with my people. He says, I'm going to give you that blessed land, that prosperous land, but I'm going to be your roommate. Now we have inner life and we have outer life, but we have upper life. Communion with God. Would you stand with me tonight? There's a river flowing through this house. Won't you just step into it tonight? Just soak it up. Just offer him those dry places. As I shared with you Sunday, declare the word of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come with our hearts held high to you. We want inner life, spiritual life, the life that reflects the life of God. We want our outer life to reflect the inner life. We want to have a life whose deeds and whose ways show the world that we walk with God. And we pray above all, God, we want a, a Godward life, a life where your spirit, where your life where you are living with us. This is our prayer. This is our hunger tonight. This is our thirst. Come on, just open your heart to him tonight. Come on, just open your heart to him tonight. Open your mouth. The prophet had to open his mouth to open your mouth tonight. Declare the word of the Lord.